Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna. We're just a couple gals that like to drink coffee, sit around, and talk about true crime. True crime. True crime. True crime. True crime. Uh, we started writing a song last time. Uh, but this, everyone, is our fun little mini espresso shot episode. Yay! Yay. So, shot. This is a little shot. Just a little bit. A little bit. Just a little bit. If you haven't listened to the Sam Shepard episode, highly recommend you listen to that first. Um, as this is its partnering episode, it's a continuation of the story, if you will, with some added characters. So, ladies and listeners, are you ready for this espresso shot? Yes. Ready. I'm ready. I oh. feel it in my bones. Oh, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. So welcome to the first mini-episode, our espresso shot. So like I had said in our last episode, Sam Reese, Chip Shepard, the son, spent a lot of time and energy trying to clear his father's reputation. So Chip, who was about seven when the murder of his mother happened, is now in this timeline about 52 years old. And he begins the process of suing the state to declare his father's innocence. Now, this is important because it's a stronger legal statement than simply not guilty. Mm-hmm. And in a, the article I read about this, Chip could possibly receive $2 million if he wins this. Mm. So, Wait, so where's that money coming from? The state, because he's suing the state. Oh, because he's suing the I see, yeah. I see, I see. It's not just the name change. He also wants the money. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So let's get into this tangled web. In 1999, Alan Davis sued the state of Ohio in the... Cuyahoga. See, I still can't say how this thing. Can I read it? See, say that. Cuyahoga. 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 Yeah. Sure. It's spelled like that. C-U-Y-Hoga. County Court of Common Pleas. Now, remember, this is where Mahone, the prosecution person, got his seat. So he was on this. But he was already gone at this point. He had died. But this is what he was sitting on. Um, so for... Is that golden egg? What what are you sitting on? Just sitting on. Uh, So this was for Sam Shepard's wrongful conviction. Alan was a lifelong friend and administrator of Sam's estate. By the order of the court, Marilyn and her unborn child were now up for re-examination, partly because the father of the unborn baby was being questioned. Uh-oh. Also, the fact that the fetus had even gone through an autopsy back in 1954 did not come to light until this got reopened. So I didn't talk about it in the last episode because they technically didn't know it happened, even though it did. In 1954, they did an autopsy on this unborn baby. Fetus Lapidus. I know. <laughs> just waiting. Just waiting for that. Ooh, I thought of it when lapidus. you said fetus, and I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait for this perfect moment. <laughs> So this only caused more questions about what was going on at the coroner's office back then. Supposedly, due to the fact that it had been so long, the tissue was too damaged and they were not able to determine the father. 
So, 45 years after this horrific and still unsolved murder, Marilyn Shepard, her body, is exhumed for examination. Mm -hmm. It took only that one day in October, and the bodies were back in its place the next day. Uh, Coroner Elizabeth Balraha Balraha, took uh, roughly 30 DNA samples from Marilyn and the unborn male fetus. Her body was photographed, x-rayed, they did it all. They did all the things. Um, After the exhumed remains of Marilyn and the fetus were tested on October 5th, 1999, there was a memorial service that was held in honor of her, her unborn child, and her husband, Dr. Sam Shepard. It was held at the Pilgrim Congregational Church. Um, and that first, Wait, but at this point, did they still think he's a, he murdered her? No, this is 1999. Oh, okay, so we're, okay, we're sorry, way sorry. past all, right. all that. All right, all right. Yeah, Timelines. he's already dead. Yeah, that would have been, been a weird, a weird move if yeah. they did that. You're right. That's why I was like, well, because you were saying like his son was trying to clear his name, so I'm like, did it happen by then or no? He's already dead at this point, so daddy's already dead. Yeah, but did they clear dad's name? Wasn't that no. the point? Dad, this is this is happening. The wrongful conviction Kate court thing is happening, and Sam's already dead. But he's still, the son is still trying to clear his name. And even the funeral, that's what I'm saying. And the funeral happen, is happening at the same time as the, he's trying to clear, clear his, his name. dad's name. Yeah, this is the memorial. The memorial. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so this is all in the same, because that's why everybody's getting, you know, exhumed and the bodies are coming back up. Gotcha. So we're like, let's hold a memorial service because these bodies have been oh, disturbed. Oh, because it's now. like, sorry, we're disturbing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And one of the articles I read was something that had come out the day after. So it's like the fresh article from mm. October 6, 1999. And it was pretty interesting to read read that, which is linked in the, in the resources. Uh, so the testing did lead to some answers. A forensic dentist determined that there was no way she had t- she'd bit an attacker. And if you remember, oh, right. Paul Kirk had said that Marilyn had bitten her attacker. Well, the re-examination of her body showed that she had been beaten much more severely than they thought back in 1954. The bones below her eye, around her mouth, were all detached from her face. Oh, so they wouldn't have even been able to, like... Yeah. Okay. Mm -mm. Cool. So, all grown up, their son was quoted saying, The viewing was difficult, but she was composed. She was together. I needed to witness that because I learned long ago that in terms of my... My uh, murder, the mur- of her murder in my imagination, it was much worse than the real thing. So as a kid, he envisioned something a lot worse. And even though what the reality is is also terrible, it's put some of his mind at ease because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, here it is. Um, so now let's introduce some new characters. Ooh, top off your coffees, ladies and listeners. Here we go. So Richard Eberling, who was an occasional handyman and window washer at the Shepherd's house, was now the likeliest suspect in the murder. Why, do you ask? Well, he was familiar with the house, and he found Marilyn very attractive. There it is. He had been uh, questioned back in 1959 about a slew of burglaries. He even confessed to these burglaries. He showed the detectives who questioned him um, what he had stolen, which included two rings that belonged to Marilyn. But this was in 1958, so it was actually after the murders took place. But still, he stole two rings of Marilyn because he was obsessed with her. Supposedly. Yeesh. Yeesh. He had taken them from Dr. Sam's brother's home. They were in a box that had said, Personal Property of Marilyn Shepard. It's written right on it. Oh, oh, and also, during questioning, Richard told the police that his blood was was on the Shepard's property that night of the murder because he was a uh, he was he had cut his finger while washing windows just just before the murder. 
Oh, and, yeah. you know, I pulled out was the my ex- Yeah, that was literally my next question. Is like, well, but, like, did we do... But, but, I mean, DNA testing wasn't a thing at the time. Yeah. I mean, could they do blood types even so, back then? So, oh, girl. Just <laughs> wait. Just <laughs> wait. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so, he also had to take a lie detector polygraph test thing, which... Those don't work. No. But, you know, I don't digress. ever, I, ever take a polygraph. No, don't ever And always do it. get a lawyer, even yes. if you're innocent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Lawyer up. Lawyer up. Lawyer up. Um, he was asked questions about the murder, and the examiner said that none of his answers were lies. Years later, though, guess what? New evaluators of that encounter said that it was actually either inconclusive or he was being deceptive. So oh. those things, it's just ridiculous. There's, so there's a really cool podcast, The Last Archive, and it has a great episode called uh, Detection of Deception, and it goes into a lot of details about the creation of the lie detector and its creator, William Moulton Marston, and it's amazing and infuriating, and please go listen to the episode. Okay. It's the, the lie detector just reminds me of, like, ghost science, where, like, yeah. where they're like, oh, if we turn on the radio and we have it cycle through, um, you know, statics, whatever, channels over and over again, be able to hear a ghost and it's like you just made that up that's like me saying that every time I make a sandwich there's gonna be a full moon and I just have to <laughs> say that there's no correlation there's no what those like, are just things that we hap- yeah they're just happening it, you're just deciding that that's what that means that's yeah so like, interesting like murdering people for an earthquake right you're just deciding <laughs> that's what, that's what that means I just don't, yeah, polygraphs, I don't care, okay, anyway. Yeah, so <laughs> polygraphs are terrible. And it was to prevent an earthquake, okay? Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry, oh, right, 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 right. He was trying to prevent. It still happened. It still happened. Yeah, haven't failed. 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 He fucking failed. Anyway, <laughs> back to this one. Uh, so Bailey, good old Bailey, came back and he testified in this civil lawsuit in 2000. In his testimony, he explained that he had not seen Richard as a suspect at the time because he was told he passed a good polygraph test. When he was later informed by the independent expert those newer results that he could have killed her or knew the, who the murderer was, yep. well, he said that that would have changed things completely. He would have probably used that and presented Richard as a suspect in the <gasps> 1966 retrial. What did he... Whoa. I wonder what he was wearing. Um, if he wears, like, a like white jumpsuit. Like he was jumpsuit. asking for it. But, yeah. Oh, <laughs> not, yes. <laughs> Slut, that nice slut. Not where my brain went. He, the, what I said, girl, saying, but the was guy. Was he wearing, like, white painting white coveralls, coveralls or something? Uh, yeah, because he said he saw somebody in white. So that's, oh, that's my God. That's brilliant. So, yeah, wow. I just had that thought of, like, Whoa! Whoa! You solved the case, Brenna. Brenna it's solved still it. unsolved. You solved it. Guys, that's such a good con- I didn't connect that. That's a great freaking point. That is a great point. I don't know, because then they also were, like, light blue. Like, I don't know if you just see a light color and it's, like, a shape. Yeah. It's a whole jumpsuit. Those things make your body look all crazy. Like, that's such an amazing point. I did not think about that. Neither did anybody in the articles I read. Uh, oh, the police. Brenna Folger. Attorney at Naw. Attorney at Naw. Naw. So, now, DNA was a newer hot ticket item in this case. It was not available during the original or the retrial, but it sure was available for the civil trial, and it was crucial. It proved that there was blood at the crime scene that did not belong to the shepherds. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Hey, now. Hey, now. I know. <laughs> With a... With Mr. Window Washer, uh, when it was brought to the table, a DNA expert was 99% confident it belonged to him. But the results did not actually reflect that. It was inconclusive. So that information was not admissible. 
there were arguments made by the defense that due to the time and possible contamination back then that the blood evidence could have been tainted. Uh, there was this spot that was they were really, really passionate about. Um, it was near like the closet door, and it potentially included 83% of the adult white population. And based on the old way of typing blood, which I didn't realize they changed how they decide the types of blood. Um, and I have a hard enough time remembering what I'm supposed to be now. They changed on me. Forget that. Uh, maybe drink more coffee so I could be coffee blood type. Anyway, <laughs> so back in 1955, it showed the results as type O. While Richard was type A. So it was basically the whole, well, I mean, it could have been A, and it was probably him, but, you know, maybe back then it was considered this blood type sort of argument. So it was no solid proof um, on this blood sample because of the inconsistencies. Um, It should be known, though, that this was not the first woman who had a suspicious death who knew Richard. He had actually been convicted of a murder in 1984. Ethel May Durkin. She was a classic wealthy older widow lady. Um, She died with no close family. Well, I mean, she did have some close family until her sister Myrtle Frey was beaten to death in the same manner as Marilyn Shepard. Oh, and her older sister Sarah Bell Faro died from a mysterious and suspicious fall down the stairs. (gasps) But uh, that's a story for another episode of Morning Murders. Was it owls? Again, it's the owls. Always, always. Always Keep an eye on some owls, guys. Pushing people down the stairs. Owls are out of control. Yeah. Those talons, man. Owl control. Owl control. (laughs) That that owl was named Crystal Connors. Yes. Uh, Crystal Connors. No. Showgirls. Showgirls. So, Richard denied any involvement in the Maryland Shepherd murder. However, a health aide he had hired to help with Ethel May Durkin had something else to say on the matter. Uh, Kathy Wagner testified that Richard had confessed to her in 1983. Also, while Richard was in prison, because he went to prison for the other murder that he was convicted of, uh, he is reported um, talking about it. Like, he talked to fellow convicts about the murder as well, of Marilyn Shepard. There was a convict that testified to that. Both of these witnesses, though, they were questioned as to their credibility during the, the civil trial by the defense team. But it did, you know, come out. Uh, now the defense... For this was led by Steve Denver and with a team of assistants, they stuck to the fact that Dr. Sam was the only logical suspect. They called it classic domestic violence. They brought it back to the affair with Susan Hayes, claiming that he must have murdered his pregnant wife because he was unhappy with the pregnancy and wanted to keep on keeping on with Susan. Mm. One of the assistants, Dean Boland, claimed that based on old evidence and research from past investigators and the media, that the weapon was, in fact, a bedroom lamp. Oh. Interesting. Not a scalpel? Not a scalpel. Not even close. Mm-hmm. How are those two things even, like, remotely I don't know. making I don't know the same we... patterns? In... <sighs> okay. You know, but the defense also raised some other questions. They brought up that there was no dog barking, um, and when the witnesses claimed that the dog would usually bark at strangers normally. <sighs> Oh, but he would have already known this dude. He would have known Sam and Richard. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, they were trying to say, well, he knows Sam. But the dog would have known Richard, Richard too. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. But the defense were trying to be like, it's Sam. But they that also points that it could be Richard because he knew Richard, too. Mm. Um, also, they asked why Sam had neatly folded his jacket on the daybed. 
So I have some photos of the crime scene that we'll put on our, our social media and stuff. And you can see the jacket laying on the daybed. But there's no, like, when he did it. Like, he could have done that when he was lying down to take a nap. Like, that's what I do. I, like, grab my jacket and make a pillow. Even if there's a pillow on there, I still do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, and... Uh, also, they brought up why why did Sam not call out for help? Like, why was he not screaming for help? And, like, people react differently, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like I might react one way if something horrible happened, but, I, you know, you don't know until you're in that and he, position. Yeah, and he was kind of like, do I hear things? I'm waking up. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. Plus, then at that point, in his with his side of the story, he was like, I can't scream and yell. I don't have time. Like, there's an attacker, and I have to deal with this, and exactly. I have to whatever. Plus, like... It would, like, I would yell, you know, I would yell for someone else because I am, you know, I'm a woman and I might yell for the stronger person in my house to come help me. But if he is, in his eyes, you know, the strongest person in the house, Mm -hmm. uh, he might not yell for anyone else because he's like, I gotta take care of this. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Theories. Mm. So the civil trial was 10 weeks long, had about 76 witnesses, hundreds of exhibits, um, and the case was in front of a eight-person civil jury. After three hours of deliberating... Was the jury sequestered? (laughs) (laughs) You may already know. Was was the jury sequestered? Well, I mean, it's dad's case, you know? Right, I know. Uh, So after three hours of deliberating on April 12th, 2000, the verdict was... A swing and a miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, they claim that Sam Reese, Chip Shepard, did not prove his father's case for innocence. Oh. There was not enough evidence to back the wrongful imprisonment. But there's reasonable doubt. Well, yeah, but there there's no evidence strong enough to back wrongful imprisonment, I suppose, oh. to, to what they're saying. Mm. Two years later, on February 22nd, 2002, the 8th District Court of Appeals ruled that the case should have never gone in front of a jury. The fact that the statute of limitations had already expired oh. and the claim wrongful imprisonment after Dr. Sam had already died actually made the argument weaker because he's already gone. Right. Yeah. So then later in August of that year, the Supreme Court of Ohio declined to review that decision and it all came to a close. Hmm. So, apart from Richard Eberling being a person of interest, there was also a man named James Call, who is theorized to be another possible person of interest. He was an Air Force deserter who, uh, you know, just decided to go on a crime spree. And he like passed, you do. Like you do. And he um, passed through multiple states, one of them being Ohio, the same area, and it all fell along the same timeline of events, too. And, you know, he was breaking into places and doing stuff, too. So, he's another possible person of interest. I am leaning more towards Richard, especially after you just said that comment about what he might have been wearing with the coveralls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that would... I mean, you know, what do I know? I mean, did we see this man the day of? Was he a... Because he said he was right there before the murders happened. And, then and he, he cut himself. Conveniently gone mm-hmm. when the cops arrived. Yeah, but, like, what does that mean? Like, he was there on the 3rd, or he was like, I was there, like, 3 a.m., just, you know, making sure the windows were clean. That's a good freaking point, because that happened at 5 in the morning. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Because he didn't say I was there yesterday. No, and he had cut himself mm-hmm. some on some window. Yeah, before the murder right happened. Right before, before the murder happened. Well, yeah. but I mean, before the murder could have been days before the murder. He, well, did, he, did he specify? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't I think to so. go back to what it said. But he could have um, said, so... Uh, during question, quest, quest, now I can't read. During the quest, question, I still can't read. 
Third time. Questions. Questioning. Richard told the police that his blood was on the shepherd's property the night of the murder. He had cut his but finger while washing windows just before the murder. The and night bled on of the, the murder. The it murder happened, happened in, in the morning. Five inconsistencies. Yeah. Well, but are they kind of trying to say like it was the light, like the sun hadn't risen yet, so they're still trying to say it was last night? Maybe in that sense, kind of. Thing. I mean, he passed. He passed the polygraph test. So, like, according to one examiner, and then to another say, examiner, he failed it, he failed it mm. or it was inconclusive. So it's just a lot. I think he just, like, the way he maybe phrased his words. I don't know. But so I call shade. Yeah, that's... that's that I is, also call shade. Yeah, same. That's a major Sade. I feel like it's, um... It's... The inconsistencies in his story and the fact that he was always there and the fact that he never really got brought up during the original case is so weird because they, like, the, the media already decided that Sam did mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. yeah. I, that's interesting. And then a couple years later, he steals the rings of Marilyn from Sam's brother. Yeah, he didn't get a token when he did it, so he had to get a token <gasps> later. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Guys, it may be me. <laughs> it's you! It's you! I do look great in coveralls. That's that true. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> it's true. That's my final sip. Brenna looks great in coveralls. <laughs> Um, my final sip is, uh, that Sam Shepard, the author, is not Sam Elliott, <laughs> who I have been envisioning doing all these things. My, mm. that's, that's who I've been envisioning. Yeah. And my final sip is that he's also not Matthew Shepard. He <laughs> was a completely different case. A lot of yeah. Shepherds. Not even close to being the same. Yep. And also, give it up for Dax Shepard. Hey, Dax Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being a cool dude. Yeah. Thanks for being cool. Thanks for being cool. Oh, man. Oh, thank you, everyone, for joining us with our little espresso shot Yay. episode. Yay. Feeling more energized, for sure. Yes. yes. God, I love espresso shots. Woo! Mm-hmm. Woo! All right. Well, we look forward to seeing you next seeing time. Seeing you next time on Morning Murders. Have a murder you like to talk about over coffee? We would love to hear about it. Email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. In today's show notes, you can find our cited research as well as a few of our favorite mental health resources. time we're having a great grand old time i'm recording all this okay <laughs> no, let's right. see if we remember all that great <laughs> okay. doesn't matter because we can do it as many times we as we can. want